the fantasy football beat. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Beat, the podcast that will never let your team die in darkness. I am Mike Hume. Hi, I'm Des Beeler, and I'm happy to report that so far today, I have not been hit by a pass from Christian Hackenberg. So far. I'm Jeff Dooley. Excited to be talking quarterbacks today, fellas. Well, the foundation of every fantasy team is laid during the draft, and to help you prepare, we are dedicating four straight shows to detailed position breakdowns. Like Jeff just mentioned, we're starting at the quarterback position. We're going to start the show with some big-picture strategy that you can deploy on draft day, follow that up with a discussion of our top-ranked players, offer some sleepers, some players with big-time bust potential you're going to want to stay away from, and we're also going to let you know what we'll be watching for when training camps get underway. But we're starting today with one big strategy, so Jeff, let's hear it. What's your big idea at the quarterback position the big idea get him off your team drop him now he could be the surprise of the 2017 season that guy is a walking acl team oh yeah he's a major sleeper all right here's the big idea fellas you ready for this ready in 12 team leagues this year i don't want to draft a quarterback before the 10th round if i can help it Woo. wait I, i thought i was ready but man Tenth round seems, now I realize I was not ready. seems late, but it's a, let's put that in perspective. It's a little steep, but I, I wanna, I'm going to list off um, a list of five guys. I want to see what you got, if, if you guys can guess uh, what they have in common. There's two big things they had in common. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, Kirk Cousins, Matthew Stafford, Matt Ryan, and Dak Prescott. Now, all of those guys you could have drafted, according to average draft position, in the tenth round or later last year. You know what else they had in common? All five were in the top eight of fantasy scoring last year. Wow. That's five of the top eight. Now, that's I wouldn't a little, have guessed that. It's a little bit of an anomaly, right? You know, mm-hmm. Tom Brady with the suspension. It was a weird year for a lot of reasons. Uh, you can't just automatically assume, oh, hey, I have to wait until after the 10th because that's where all the best guys are. Right. Point we all, is, we all know there, that, are some, sorry, there are some values to get there. <laughs> and if you can use the first nine rounds to really bolster your roster, especially at running back and wide receiver, in my opinion, the positions that win you fantasy football leagues, uh, I'm going to do it and, and roll the dice and try to get some guys late. So I think round 10 still feels like a long time to wait on a position like quarterback. Des, are you down with this? Uh, I'd like to disagree fervently with Jeff here and just really kind of get the get the fire lit, but uh, I'm I'm kind of on board with it. All right. Dez is down. Yeah. Now, now it, the main reason being that yeah, we just have an exceptionally deep crop of starter start worthy quarterbacks. You know, I think maybe what we're seeing here is the aging process. It just doesn't it doesn't take effect the way it used to. You know, we have some of these old war horses who just haven't quite died off, and so. You know, normally you get this sort of cycle of young quarterbacks coming in, older quarterbacks fading out, and at any given point, maybe you have like 12 uh, QB1 type guys. But some of the old quarterbacks, you know, like Tom Brady, Drew Brees, even Ben Roethlisberger, Eli Manning, they're still kind of getting it done. In the meantime, we've had this influx of talent, uh, you know, the likes of Jameis Winston, Derek Carr, Marcus Mariota. So now they're all QB1 types as well. So what you have is just this incredibly deep field. And yeah, you might as well take advantage of it. I mean, if, if you look at ADP, as Jeff pointed out, it's rather startling the quality of quarterback that you can get after pick 108, right? That would be nine full rounds in a 12-team draft. You mentioned the guys like Stafford, uh, Phillip Rivers, Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor uh, last year was ninth in per-game fantasy scoring at 18.1. So 
you know, no no harm there in, in taking a guy like that. Yeah, I mean, look at a guy like Matt Ryan, who was sort of, you know, he was an afterthought last year in a lot of fantasy football leagues, and obviously he had a massive breakout season, career year. He ends up at number two of fantasy scoring, but there were signs that you would say, okay, he's going to regress back to his mean a little bit. He had a low touchdown total in 2015. So there are guys like that, you can if you've done your research on them, you can't expect that they're going to have a huge Matt Ryan-type breakout, but it was reasonable to assume that Matt Ryan is going to outperform his draft position, and if, if that is good enough uh, to win you games. Uh, again, it just allows you to bolster those other positions on your roster. All right, so just to be clear here, we're talking about Matt Ryan, but he's a guy that you would pass on this season because he's going to be taken way before round 10. Oh, totally. All right, so also in that group, no Drew Brees, no Matt Ryan, like we just mentioned, no Andrew Luck, no Russell Wilson, no Cam Newton. But here's one counterpoint that I want to discuss, and that is the top two guys on the list, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Now, when you're researching for the draft, we always tend to focus on season-long stats because that's what's available to us primarily. But it's still a weekly game. So what I like about Rodgers and Brady is that the assurance every week, just about, you're going to have the best quarterback in your matchup. Only five times last season they finished with fewer than 20 fantasy points in a week. So if you're going to have that kind of production – that's a pretty big bullet to fire. Now, is that worth splurging on at their draft position early in the draft, Des? Yeah, I would I would say it's not given their average draft position. I mean, obviously it varies from draft to draft and league to league. I mean, but using uh, using uh, average draft position at ESPN, for instance, which obviously is hosting tons of live drafts, uh, Aaron Rodgers is going at around pick 19, so kind of halfway through the second round. You know, a, a, just as a comparison point, a player, another player that you could get around there is Jay Ajayi. Now, I happen to think yeah. Jay Ajayi should be drafted before that, but let's let's just use him as an example. Um, whereas, if you wait, uh, like we're suggesting, until after the tenth round, and you pick up a guy like Philip Rivers, who put up certainly put up is capable of putting up starter worthy numbers, he's going at around pick one twenty nine, right? The kind of player you're going to get around Philip Rivers at that point is, is uh, in this case, Wendell Smallwood, let's say. Who? He's going, exactly. Who may not even have a job. So basically, you know, you're getting a starter-worthy player in, like, the 10th, 11th round or so of your draft, whereas your options at wide receiver and running back are so thin at that point, which is really why you do, uh, Obviously, yes, you, you can pick Aaron Rodgers and get, a, and get a stud quarterback, but the possibility of getting a guy who's going to start for your team every week and be a credible starter in the 11th round is just too good to pass up. I think it's a valid counterpoint, though, Mike, and it sort of depends on your league. Uh, if, if, say, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady are available in round four, all of a sudden it's a lot more palatable, and right, I do think right. there is the, the consistency week to week. You know, Personally, if I wasn't going to wait until late, uh, if my strategy wasn't to go late with a quarterback, I would look to go early for one of those top two guys because I actually think there's a little bit of a shelf between two and three. So I, I think there's some validity there. If you really, if you aren't uh, aren't willing to roll the dice, if you're gonna, you know, be tied up in knots the entire draft, if you're waiting till you know round ten, uh, as we're suggesting, I do think there's a case for going uh, going earlier. But certainly, there's there's value to be had later at the quarterback position. But there's got to be a threshold, right? I mean, who are the lowest ranked guys? on your list right now that you'd be comfortable starting in week one, Jeff? So th- these are some names that are that are in that uh, post, uh, post-ninth post round range. Matthew Stafford, Marcus Mariota, who is a potential breakout guy mm-hmm. uh, with Tennessee. He's coming off the injury, but still. Uh, Phillip Rivers I really like uh, this year. Um, and Tyrod Taylor is a guy who's sort of perennially undervalued, but he's got the you know the running threat with his legs. He throws a really good deep ball. 
uh, both conducive for fantasy points. So uh, those are four guys who I'd, I'd be very happy with getting one in round 10 and then going back to back, getting another in round 11 and have sort of two bites at the apple for sort of a higher upside uh, a quarterback there later again and, and really flesh out the roster in rounds one through nine. Right. So if you're more of the conservative type, maybe you want to spring early at Rodgers and Brady, but you definitely don't want to get caught in the middle, it seems, and there could be a lot of value late in the draft. The Rankings. All right, well, to help you get organized for your draft board, we're going to turn to our rankings expert, the one and only Des Beeler, who will give his top 12 starting quarterbacks. Basically, these are the guys that we think are capable of being QB1s going into the season. Right. Well, you know, it's subject to change, subject to news updates, just as some uh, news updates have affected the rankings already so far. But here is my top 12. Uh, Here are my top 12. Something like that. Here's my list of the top 12, starting with Aaron Rodgers at number one, number two, Tom Brady, number three, Drew Brees, uh, number four, Matt Ryan. I don't think a lot of surprises there. Mm -mm. Number five, Russell Wilson. Number six, Cam Newton. Number seven, Ben Roethlisberger. Number eight, Andrew Luck. Uh, maybe huh. some surprises there. And then yes. finishing it out, number nine, Jameis Winston. Number 10, Derek Carr. Number 11, Marcus Mariota. And number 12, Kirk Cousins. Go ahead, pick me apart. All right, so the one that jumps out, obviously, is Andrew Luck. Had a hell of a season last year. I think he finished fourth overall in fantasy points. Uh, fifth, actually, excuse me. Uh, down at number eight, though, what's uh, what's the reason there? The reason there is that uh, he can't throw a football right now. That seems problematic. Yeah. Does that and concern you? It's, <laughs> it's, two things concern me. One, um, this shoulder surgery that he had in January uh, seems to be taking him a long time to come back from. Now, I don't know if the Colts, if this is all part of their master plan. I do know that Colts head coach Chuck Pagano was, was said that he was praying, and I quote there, praying that Andrew Luck would be able to throw during training camp. So... <laughs> like mm. I, that's not a great sign. Um, you know, they, I think they definitely expect him to be ready by week one of the season. But you know, at this point, you have to kind of go with you're making bets here on on what you can fairly expect from these guys. And when you're talking about, you know, the the top tier of NFL quarterbacks, I just think it's worth it, it's enough of a concern right now that Andrew Luck might not be able to throw at all in training camp. I mean, obviously he's a, he's a really talented quarterback and he's put up great numbers in the past, but that's when you develop chemistry with your wide receivers, you, you install the offense, the whole bit. You know, so that so at the very least it seems like he's going to start the season rusty or there's a good chance of it and there's I think a small chance that he might not be ready for week 1 at all at this rate. So, assuming he is ready for week 1, how far up would you move him in that case? I mean, at the start of the offseason, I had him as high as number two. Like, really? I, I was very bullish on Andrew Luck. Wow. And it's only because It's only because this is pretty late in the year for a guy to be, you know, medically unable to carry out any of the responsibilities of his position. So I, I had to drop him down again, again below guys that are obviously much healthier right now and, and pretty good bets themselves for good numbers. I had him initially. I pushed him down to four. Um, I had him ahead of Matt Ryan. I'm not like we 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 said you know we expressed a little bit of concern about Matt Ryan earlier. If if he once he starts throwing in training camp, if that happens, I'll push him back to four behind Drew Brees probably. You know how in the NFL draft teams will just take guys off their board either character issues or injury risks. I feel like that's Andrew Luck right now. Like if you're drafting you know soon, he's off your board. You got to see him throw the football again. Uh, see that he's overcome the shoulder injury. At that point, then you reevaluate it. Uh, but yeah, he's not—he's not your starting fantasy quarterback uh, until you sort of get that clear, uh, that I mean, clear bill of health. I got a different question for you, Des. Yeah. And this is not—I'm not, not going to give you a hard time about moving up Ben Roethlisberger af- after I called him a sleeper. Now he's at seven in your rankings miraculously. This is something else. <laughs> right. Kirk, Kirk All Cousins. Of you. Yeah, Kirk Cousins, uh, top six in fantasy scoring last year. You have him at twelve. 
Now, I, I understand sort of some of the reasons behind that. I'll let you go into it. But that seems like a pretty steep uh, drop for a guy that many slots, have him behind guys like Jameis Winston and Derek Carr. Yeah, it, I, I agree. It's it's a drop for Kirk Cousins. Um, some of that expectation is that it, it's a reaction to all the changes that have happened to the Redskins in the offseason to that offense. Uh, obviously, the the number one thing is he lost his two starting wide receivers, uh, Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garcon. That's you know you'd think uh, an offense might take a little bit of a hit there, a passing offense. I happen to think they're replacing them with two pretty good players in uh, Jamison Crowder, and they signed Terrell Pryor, which I thought was a terrific move in the offseason. And Jordan Reed is still there, so you know I don't I don't think they're going to fall off a cliff. And and I think my ranking reflects that. I still have him as a top twelve quarterback. Another aspect of the team that changed was they lost their offensive coordinator. Uh, Sean McVay, who is very highly regarded, and they're replacing him with Matt Cavanaugh, who does not have a very good track record of producing stellar offenses, and he's been in the league quite a long time. So, you know, you just look for reasons to maybe be a little bit concerned, reasons to think, okay, yes, he did that last year, but why might things be different this year, either better or worse? And some of the signs I see indicate that maybe this won't be as prolific a passing offense. I think they bolstered their defense in the offseason. That's another big factor right there. Yeah, this is a team that probably won't be playing from behind as often, that won't need to be winging it around in the fourth quarter. Uh, and I think they want to run the ball. They drafted Samaje Pirine, another guy who kind of fits the mold of the sledgehammer running back that they seem to be focusing on in, in recent drafts. And I think they want to be a little bit more of a of a you know ground ground control uh, clock chewing kind of offense than uh, than winging it around the field. I, I think all that's fair. I would say this: I, I'm not sure that those risks outweigh perhaps the risks of Jameis Winston or Derek Carr. Uh, sort of consistency being there for Winston and then Carr coming off an injury. Um, I, I will say this: Terrell Pryor is an upgrade in the, in certainly in the red zone for that passing offense. So I do right. think that will help Kirk Cousins, uh, him and Jordan Reed in the red zone, and Jamison Crowder. Just you know, he's going to be a PPR monster. He's a guy to sort of target in, in, in your drafts at wide receiver. But I do think I agree. You got to drop him a little bit. I'd have him ahead of a couple of those other guys, though. All right. So the one that really jumps out to me, even more than luck, now that I think about it. Russell Wilson at number five. That's a that's a lot of belief in a guy who crushed a lot of fantasy teams last year, and I'm raising my hand right now. This sounds personal, Mike. Oh, it's so personal. Do you, oh, do you have, you have a question for me about Russell? Yeah, Wilson? yes. Does why does a sucky quarterback who torpedoed my otherwise sterling championship team uh, come in at number five? I feel like Mike had a problem with the Sierra yep. picture. The, the baby picture was oh very god. Yeah. I'm still disturbing. uneasy about that too. But I think a lot of people had a separate. problem with that. Yeah, well, part of the reason I ranked Russell Wilson at number five is because he didn't crush my team last year, so I don't have that uh-huh. ir- irrational, irrational grudge against him. Uh, also, he, you know, for as awful as you are depicting him as having been last year, he finishes the number 11 fancy quarterback, which isn't that bad. And that came after basically being a, a top five quarterback the two previous seasons and top 10, I think, the two seasons before that. I mean, basically, Russell Wilson has been nothing but good in fantasy since he arrived in the NFL, and I think we can give him a pass a little bit for last year. He was injured for almost the entire season, you know, and he had lower leg problems, which really affected his mobility, and you could see it. Like, he wasn't the elusive guy, the guy who could extend plays and really find people downfield or who could, like, take off and run. His, his running totals were way down last year, and that offense, you know, I, I think the offensive line in Seattle is certainly still a concern, but I think you can project Russell Wilson to be healthier this season. I think he has a pretty solid receiving core. You have guys like Doug Baldwin there. You have Jimmy Graham there. You know, I, I, they, they don't they don't have Marshawn Lynch. I mean, I think they're a little bit unsettled in, in their running game, so they might even throw a little bit more. They have C.J. Prosites, hopefully, will be healthy for a whole season. I, I just think Russell Wilson has proven to be a top-five quarterback when he's healthy, and at this point, that's all we can assume is he will be healthy. So that's why I have him at number five. Two quick things there. 
Uh, Pete Carroll saying, you know, they're looking to sort of return to that Super Bowl 2013 team offense where they do run the ball a little bit more. Uh, you know, I, I do agree. I think I think Wilson will have a bounce back. I think Des is right about that. Uh, huh. But I think this does In sort your of face, Mike. I think this this does sort of point out that those middle middle of the pack QBs. There's a lot of sort of question marks on all of them, whether it's Russell Wilson or even Cam Newton, uh, who you have, who you have at six, Des, or, or your beloved uh, Ben Roethlisberger. My beloved Ben <laughs> Roethlisberger. Don't talk about Ben. <laughs> uh, I do think there's question marks with each of those guys, honestly. Yep. yep. And so that's why if you're not going to wait till till late, I, I do think there's there's some there's a case for maybe going a little bit earlier and the certainties that are Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. Stock watch. Stock watch. All right, we're moving on to our buyer beware segment. Both Jeff and Dez have a guy, and uh, let's get started. All right, Jeff, so who's scaring you off your draft list this year? All right, I'm going with Dak Prescott for my buyer beware quarterback. Uh, this year, you know, he, I think it was a dream season for Prescott, for Ezekiel Elliott, for the entire Dallas Cowboys team. Obviously, it didn't end the way they wanted, but in terms of regular season, uh, they have a lot to be proud of. Uh, I just think there's some unsustainability to what Prescott did last year. Uh, six rushing touchdowns in particular uh, uh, jumps out at me as a stat just because that's so valuable in fantasy football. Uh, but that's more than Cam Newton had last year. And Dak Prescott, he's you know he's got mobility, but it's not like he's this elite running quarterback that perhaps Newton or Russell Wilson is. Um, so I just think there's bound to be a little bit of regression there. The other thing is only four interceptions. It's such a low number uh, for any quarterback, much less a rookie quarterback. I just think we might see a little bit. Uh, he might take some knocks in his sophomore year. I just don't know if that entire Dallas team uh, is going to be in quite as good a shape as they were a year ago. So I, I'd be a little bit leery about taking Prescott uh, really in, in this QB1 range. I mean, he's sort of at the tail end of that, but uh, I'd really be nervous about taking him as my fantasy starter this year. All right, Des, I see a really popular name as your buyer beware. In fact, he's number three in your own rankings. So what what are we wary of? Yeah, that would be Drew Brees, as mentioned earlier. I, I'm not certainly not telling people not to draft him. I have him ranked number three, you know, mostly because his track record is is so sterling in terms of consistency. He's been a top six quarterback, I think, every year. Since 2006. Pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty solid. But, of course, that also points out to one of the reasons you might be a little concerned is he's getting a little long in the tooth. And I I know we're in this era where we think these guys are just going to play forever and whatever they have done, they're going to keep doing. And it just doesn't seem like some of these quarterbacks are aging at all, i.e. Tom Brady. Who, by the (laughs) way, I also think may be a little bit more of a concern than people are thinking of. Just because, look, I mean, we're in sort of uncharted territory with these ages, but Drew Brees, I think, is going to be closer to 39 than 38. I mean, when the season starts, I mean, at some point, it's going to start falling off a cliff for him. And so I think spending a high pick like that on a guy with those kind of age concerns, and maybe more importantly, the Saints, I think, want to transition uh, to a bit less of a pass-heavy offense. I mean, they've spoken openly. Sean Payton said their goal in the offseason was to bulk up their defense. They also added Adrian Peterson. They kept Mark Ingram. They drafted another running back in Alvin Kamara. Now, maybe he's more of a pass-catching guy, but it does seem like they're investing heavily in the running back position, and it's just not hard to envision them running the ball more. You heard a lot about Adrian Peterson looking really good in the offseason, so I'd be surprised if they didn't try to feature him you know, reasonably heavily in the offense. And I just think we may see a version of the Saints offense that's a little less pass-happy than it's been in the past. And one other thing, they keep taking assets away from the Saints passing game. Right. They 
they traded away Brandon Cooks, his top target last season. Now they're depending heavily on Michael Thomas, the rookie, uh, former second-year wide receiver. Now, yeah, great point, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad they, I mentioned they, it. But that was part, yeah, that was part of this offseason where they, it seemed like they were shifting their emphasis from offense to defense, and part of that was getting a first-round pick for Brandon Cooks, their top receiver last year. Yeah, it's, I mean, obviously Michael Thomas figures to step up into that breach, but Thomas put up good numbers last year already. So I don't think he's going to massively improve on what he did last year. And meanwhile, you've taken away their number one wide receiver. So yeah, you would think that the offense would take a little bit of a hit right there. Obviously, the higher in the rankings he is, the more risk uh, there's going to be associated with that pick. I think that's just sort of the issue. If you take him as a third quarterback off the board, he's really got to be a top five performer for you uh, during the season. And if, if he's, you know, sort of slips back in the pack even a little bit, it's not we're saying, oh, Drew Brees is going to suck this year. It's just you got to right. be a little bit careful. Uh, there's maybe some more red flags there than with some other guys. Yeah, the, 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 main, the main point, I think, with the waiting on quarterbacks and the risk of taking the guys high is it's opportunity cost, right? Mm-hmm. It's the idea that like, oh, sure, you can get value out of taking one of those quarterbacks who's really highly touted. But if you're taking a guy in the second round or the third round, and I'm looking at ESPN's uh, average draft position, Drew Brees is, is 35th. Okay, if you take him there, you're passing on somebody like Golden Tate, who could be your, at worst, your wide receiver too. You're passing on Carlos Hyde, who you know has RB1 potentiality and certainly could be an RB2. You're passing on guys at positions where, A, you need more of them, and B, who could really be rocks of stability, whereas if you wait on quarterbacks, you're still going to get a starter-worthy guy much further down the draft, while other other positions around them are much sketchier. All right, so Dak Prescott, Drew Brees, two to approach with caution this draft season. Value pick. Now the flip side, of course, those picks that can you can grab late, and they pay off like a nice scratch-off lottery ticket. We're talking about the value picks now. And I get the sense that we're going to talk about one of Jeff Dooley's man crushes to start this segment. So, Jeff, I see your boy, Big Ben, right there at the top of your list. I don't have a man crush on Big Ben. I really don't. And I, I will say, in Dez's rankings, I think he's valued Roethlisberger perfectly. He, he's got him at number seven, hmm, about uh, that? which I think is really good. Uh, but in a lot of rankings I've seen, and even in ADPs, he's been later than that. And so I think he's a guy to keep an eye on because that Steelers offense could be the best in the NFL this season. Uh, you know, Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell are both locked up for this year. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, who is uh, going to play the slot receiver position for them at a USC, they got him in the second round. Martavis Bryant is returning from suspension. Yeah, that really big. adds that, that's big. that vertical element, not just for the points that you can get from him, but he just opens everything else up for them. Uh, so I, I just really think there, there's uh, it's a top-five offensive line in the NFL, too. They've really improved uh, the pass protection. So I think they are uh, that is an offense that is going to take off. And Ben Roethlisberger, if he stays healthy now, that's always the question with him. But even if he's in there for, you know, 14 or 15 games, he's going to be a really top fantasy performer this season. Yeah, uh, currently the 11th quarterback off the board in Fantasy Pros ADP and the 90, excuse me, 89th pick overall. Des, you like this guy? <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I have him ranked 7th overall. I am, uh, once again, in agreement with my guy Jeff, and we're on the same page right here, simpatico, me and Jeff. Uh, I, I agree that I think the Steelers, I don't think it can be underrated that they're bringing back Martavis Bryant. The guy was a monster. Yep. I mean, uh, two seasons ago, now he could be suspended at any given moment. But they appear to have a litany of offensive weapons to choose from. He can always throw to Le'Veon Bell out of the backfield. You, you know, he's at his point in his career where he has complete mastery of the offense. I think there is, there is, and they have a good offensive line. There's a lot to like in Pittsburgh. I've got one more for you, Des. See if you like this one. Philip Rivers. And that same quarterback class as Roethlisberger. Uh, he had a down year last year, most interceptions of his career. But I think I'm I'm putting this down now. Chargers are the the surprise team out of the AFC. I think they they end up making a wild card berth. 
Ooh, uh, that wow. team got better and better as the season went on last year. They just sort of ran out of time. Uh, uh, the defense is great. Joey Bosa is, is a star edge rusher in the making. But you look at the improvements they made this offseason, they really went to work on that offensive line, which might have been the worst in the NFL. Russell yeah. Okun's going to help. Forrest Lamp, uh, one of the rookies they drafted, I think he can help right away. Uh, and then in the first round, number seven overall, they took Mike Williams. Now he's uh, there's some, some concerns there, but still, nonetheless, there is a ton of weapons uh, for Rivers between Williams. Uh, they've got the two tight ends, Antonio Gates and Hunter Henry. Uh, Melvin Gordon had a breakout year as a second-year player. He's got some other pass catchers to throw to. So I think the Chargers are due for uh, a breakout season, and I think Rivers is someone, again, you can get him outside of the starter range, uh, but he can be your fantasy starting quarterback this year. Uh, once again, on board with that. <laughs> I have him ranked 13th overall, I mean, just behind Kirk Cousins. So I, I definitely see him as, as a QB1 candidate, another guy you can get late. I think I mentioned that earlier in the podcast. You can get him at pick 129 or so. I mean, it's crazy the value you can get with him. He's averaging, I think, 32 touchdown passes over the past four years while n- not passing for less than 4,200 yards in a season. I mean, that's, he's a QB1. It's what huge. can you say? And, yeah. the, and like I said, they added weapons in the offseason. You two clearly need to get a room. Des, looking at your two guys, now, the one really catches me off, off guard. Uh, we'll get to it in a second. But you're starting with the red rifle, Andy Dalton. I like me some Andy Dalton. Now, I don't like me some Andy Dalton so much to have him like ranked in a, in a crazy place because I think we need to see it come together. And, again, it speaks to how deep the quarterback class is. I have him ranked 18th. I mean, but it's behind the likes of Eli Manning, Matthew Stafford, Tyrod Taylor, who I talked about before. Uh, I mean, but th- that's what, Andy Dalton was is probably my my line for starting quarterbacks that I would that would want to draft. So I'm, I go 18 deep with him. There's just a ton to like there. I mean, I think he's perpetually underrated. People forget two years ago he was, I think the QB the QB five yeah, overall. Yeah, he had a great season. Yeah, he he got he he busted his thumb in week 14 or something like that. But he was headed toward a top five season. He was, and that was uh, and then last year. He basically hardly ever had the services of A.J. Green or Tyler Eifert. Tyler Eifert was huge. At any given yeah. point in the season, one of those guys was injured, and that's his two top weapons. Now, you look, they, they're they both going to come back healthy. You look look you look who they've surrounded him with. They have uh, um, Tyler Boyd, who was a second-round pick last year. They have John Joe Ross, who was a first-round pick this year. Maybe they reached John for Ross. John, sorry, darn it. I'll get it right. John Joe Ross sounds cool. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I was struggling with my Jays there. Uh yeah, he was the ninth overall pick this year. I probably should learn his name. Uh, you know, maybe they reach for him there, but still, that's an explosive player. So, you know, and and they took Joe Mixon in the second round, so who can p- catch passes and be a weapon at the backfield. I, I just think there's more weapons there than people are realizing, and Andy Dalton is a better quarterback than a lot of people realize. I'm really excited to see what Ross can do for that offense, particularly for Tyler Eifert, opening up that underneath uh, passing game for him. Now, I am not excited at all for your second value pick, so you're going to have to do some convincing. Eli Manning, resident Giants fan on the show. What are we doing here, Des? Come on. He can't be that good, can he? All right, let me talk you into it. Um, Eli Manning, uh, yes, I know that last year was not great for him. He finished 21st in fantasy scoring, uh, 23rd in fantasy points per game. Uh, I have him ranked 15th overall, so I'm definitely forecasting improvement. Uh, Because you look at the offseason they had. I mean, they added Brandon Marshall. Uh, who's never been anything but a wide receiver one in his career, and even if he's lost a bit of a step in this offense with Odell Beckham taking that role and you know more than capable of being a wide receiver one, all he needs to be is a wide receiver two, and I think he will be. They also drafted Evan Engram in the first round. This is a tight end who's basically a, an oversized wide receiver. I mean, he's nothing but a pass-catching tight end, and they still have Sterling Shepard there who you know, was, was pretty good last year. Uh, was a second-round pick a couple years before that, and I think I, I think it's bad news for their off-season additions are bad news for Sterling Shepard in his own right. But the uh, the overall picture is very good for Eli Manning. You know, he threw 
36 touchdowns in 2015. And that was when his top receivers after Odell Beckham were Ruben Randall, Shane Vereen, Will Ty, and Dwayne Harris. <laughs> I made sure. All right, all right. I, guess, I, <laughs> I made I sure to look up. those names up because I would not remember that myself. <laughs> right. So now you have Brandon. Like I said, you have Marshall, Shepard, Ingram. You have Paul Perkins as their primary running back, which gets to another point, which is that they don't really have a thumper of a right. running back. This sure looks like an offense that wants to throw the ball a lot. They didn't bring back Rashad Jennings, and they didn't really replace him with anybody. So their top two running backs, at least on the depth chart, are Paul Perkins and Shane Vereen, who does nothing but catch passes. I mean, this to me looks like a team that wants to throw the ball all over the lot. The only question is whether Eli can still do it physically. I'm saying he probably can. Yeah, I guess the the thing for me is all the things you're saying were true last year except for the additions of Brandon Marshall and Evan Ingram. And the question for me oh, then well, is, does well, that jump? Well, apart from that, how did you like the play? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's not nothing. Does it... Uh, it's not nothing, but I don't know if it's six spots in the rankings for me, personally. Right. Well, uh, the, well, the question is whether last year was an aberration or the first step toward an inevitable decline. Because Eli Manning, we talked about older quarterbacks. I think Those Mannings fall hard. <laughs> when they go, <laughs> they go. Did you see the Peyton Manning show? Right. But I think, I think Eli Manning has had two less neck surgeries, um, or however many neck surgeries Peyton had, that's how many fewer Eli's had. So there, there's something he said for that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I tend to look at last year as a bit of a just sort of aberrationally bad season, and then he'll bounce back. But again, I mean, I'm ranking him 15th. I'm not going to. I'm not saying like he's going to lead your team inevitably towards fantasy glory. But yeah, to me, he's very much another one of these guys that you can wait on quarterback, grab him, and be pretty confident in getting QB one type numbers. I think uh, certainly if you're drafting him as a backup, I feel pretty good. Uh, the Giants ran more three wide sets than any team in the league last year, so I, I do think it, it's going to be pass heavy all the time. I don't know if you guys follow uh, Matt Bowen on Instagram, the ESPN analyst. We're acquainted. He had this uh, he had this video he put up uh, the other day, and it was just a, a quick slant pattern, Manning to Odo Beckham Jr. Yep. And Beckham just slices through the defense, <laughs> takes it 60 yards. So any guy who's throwing that guy the ball, uh, you gotta you got to take seriously in fantasy. So I, I, I tend to think as an NFL quarterback, he's on his way out, but uh, I, I do see uh, I see the upside, Des. All right, so at 15, I guess I can get on board as well. That's uh, all I can ask. If, if you guys can move over and make room for me on your love boat over here. All right, so Big Ben, Phillip Rivers, Andy Dalton, Eli Manning could pr- provide some good value on draft day. What to watch for. We'll wrap up the show. It's time to look into the future, and that is what we're going to be watching when training camps get underway. So, Jeff, you got your eye on a rookie quarterback. Tell me who. I don't. He is a second-year quarterback. (laughs) (laughs) Mid-season four. I want no no part of the rookie quarterbacks in this. uh, Like I said, uh, a former rookie quarterback. (laughs) They're all former rookie quarterbacks. Um, I'm going with Carson Wentz of the Philadelphia Eagles. I think he has some serious breakout potential this year. Uh, reason being, last year when he had uh, his starting right tackle, Lane Johnson, in uh, in the offense before he was suspended um, and after, he was on the fringe of QB1 status. Uh, clearly he was affected by uh, sort of the toll that took on the offensive line. He was the worst quarterback in the league uh, when facing pressure last year. So I think protecting him is going to be important. I think they're going to do a better job of that. The biggest thing I want to watch in training camp is what's the chemistry like between Wentz and Alshon Jeffrey because that yeah. is a big play guy, also a red zone target for him. Wentz didn't have much of anything going on in his supporting cast uh, last year, and so Jeffrey's a huge upgrade. They also signed Torrey Smith, sort of the deep threat guy. But uh, I really uh, I like the potential of Wentz this year. 
And he again, we keep coming back to this. If you can get him sort of uh, just outside that QB one range, maybe you take him and another guy uh, like a Philip Rivers. You know, if I wind up with both of those guys on my fantasy team, I feel pretty good. I'm going to have a, a starter and, and maybe two guys I can sort of interchangeably use throughout the season. But I, I'm keeping an eye on Wentz uh, in Philly training camp. Yeah, and Wentz going uh, 138 overall in the latest uh, ADP for fantasy pros. I, I'm not as Quite as crazy about Wentz. Um, I, we, James, I talked about, how could you? I, talked, I know. Finally, <laughs> we have a point of disagreement here, but only barely. I mean, I talked about how Andy Dalton was was represented the final, uh, per, the final QB that I would draft as a QB one that I'd be okay with taking. I have him 18, so I have I have Wentz 19, so barely behind him. But I do see a drop off. I do see a tier at that point. I mean, he only threw for 16 touchdowns last year and was got it seemed to get shakier as the season went on. You know, he started off so well. I think he had like a 7-1 touchdown-interception ratio over the first four games. And then, you know, it seemed like the league kind of caught up with him a little bit. And they did make some offseason additions. But, you know, I think there are some questions there. There's always questions with Alshon Jeffrey. Like, wh- which guy are you going to get? Is he even going to stay on the field? Uh, behind him, you have Jordan Matthews, who I think is steady, but maybe not spectacular. You also have Zach Ertz. So there are some weapons there. But I'm... Uh, you know, I, I would definitely not. <laughs> I wouldn't swing for the fences and take Wentz as my first guy. I would want to take him a, as as a flyer after making maybe taking somebody else with a little bit more of a track record. Speaking of track record, Des, that's a pretty nice segue into your quarterback. Yeah, uh, the guy I'm definitely going to be watching in the uh, off season through training camp is Carson Palmer. Now I have him ranked pretty darn low, but I'm ready to. I have him ranked 22nd overall, so behind the Wentz, who I just badmouthed, and behind Blake Bortles, who needs no bad badmouthing by us, yeah. since other people are happy to do it, <laughs> and behind Ryan Tannehill, who's kind of just a guy, but you know does does have promise. So I have I have him way down there, basically based on a somewhat of a disastrous uh, 2016 campaign. But I think there's a lot of bounce back appeal in Palmer, and I, like I said, I'm ready to like push him back up the rankings based on a couple of factors. If it really looks like he is fully healthy and his arm strength is there. And all the physical attributes that made him, you know, a QB one in seasons past. Remember, he was the QB five uh, just two years ago. I guess he leapfrogged uh, Andy Dalton for that. And if you look at the Arizona, I mean, they they got weapons there. You know, obviously yeah. they have David Johnson at the running back. Let's just start right there. I mean, he ca- he catches a ton of balls. I will be watching to see are reports good about the line. Is Jared Vell here? Their left, their right tackle right now. Uh, in good health is DJ Humphreys, who they moved to left tackle. Is he playing well at that position? Obviously, Carson Palmer needs all the pass protection he can get because he's not going to yeah, pull that wall down. Move. No, he's, he's a statue. Not going to scramble. But all I'm saying is, uh, there are some things I need to see. But if I'm seeing positive signs out of Arizona, and also remember Bruce Arians, the coach, great offensive mind. I mean, there's just a lot of reasons for optimism there. I just need to see some good reports out of their training camp. The problem is, I think that 2015 season, was, that, which was a career year for him, I think that was the exception, not the rule. And so it, it might have been, yeah. You know, can he improve upon last well, year? Maybe, but I, I would be, I'd be leery of him reaching fantasy relevance I'll put it that way so I got eight reasons to like my guy Marcus Mariota and those are his performances from weeks five to 12 last season oh, my 11th ranked quarterback way to go on a limb there I'm not going out on a limb but he's coming back from a broken leg so hence my <laughs> eyes will be appealed 24 points per game that's what he averaged during that midseason stretch if he could replicate even less than that that's a that's a great find, and he is the definition of the round ten type quarterback that we're talking about. He's going 120th overall right now, the 14th quarterback off the board. If he's back and healthy, they've added some weapons in Tennessee. I really like what Marcus Mariota could offer in his third season. Corey Davis, uh, number five overall pick at wide receiver. Obviously, they have plans to use him to use a draft pick that early. Eric Decker, maybe yeah. out of the yeah. slot now. You big. know, very prolific guy. 
Uh, so this was a very run-heavy team last year. Do they flip that a little bit? Run-heavy team, and then Marcus Mariota was and still strong. And he runs strong. as well. And he yeah, runs as well. He runs as well. He was a strong fantasy performer. Do they open things up a little bit more? I, he's absolutely, that. that's a training camp uh, to keep an eye on, Mike. There is still so much more to cover, so be sure to check out all of our fantasy football coverage at thewashingtonpost.com. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever quality podcasts are found. And remember to hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Mike Hume Post. And I'm at Des Beeler. I'm at Jeff Dooley underscore. Thanks for listening.